0: Somniac podcast my name is mike back with me this week is brandon how's it going buddy it's going
1: pretty well how are
0: you i'm doing all right my cat is just bugging the shit out of me all of a sudden right now she's like oh hey you're in the middle of doing something i'm gonna come rub all over your leg and then i'm gonna stand on the table and lay down on your keyboard because i'm a good cat no you're not vivian well you're a good cat but you're being annoying right now you have food you have water you have a clean litter box What it is, my wife and youngest son are out of town. They left Saturday, 3 a.m. They're coming back next Saturday, went down to Maryland. Uh, They go every year with her mom and our nephew, and they go visit her aunt, and they stay at her house for a few nights. They stay at her condo in Ocean City for a few nights, and so I've worked a lot of overtime uh, because they're gone, so why not? And so I haven't been around the house, so the cat's just lonely.
1: Makes sense. Yeah, I I'm actually she's... I'm I'm dog sitting right now, so we kinda got opposite ends of the spectrum with the pet stuff.
0: Nice, nice. I think she's just now realizing, hey, you're you're home. Someone's here.
1: <laughs> and she gives a shit right now. He knows
0: right, right yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But later on when I'd be free to pat and love and, and give her all kinds of attention and whatnot, she'd be all like, Go away.
1: I mean, bitch, Go please, away. don't touch me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so one of the things I wanted to talk about in the last episode that I forgot to bring up. Uh, was the viceland documentary specials
1: which i have heard nothing but absolutely fantastic things about yet i've watched none of them <laughs>
0: okay. um i gotta say they're awesome like you know they've done well the episodes i've watched are the, the macho man and, and elizabeth story which is very good uh the montreal screw job which you have the aspect of like oh yeah that's never been talked about or done before. But the way with which they look at it is different. And they got Jim Cornette to talk, who hasn't talked at all before. And apparently, well, in great detail about it. And apparently he was in the room when the decision was made. And he's actually even takes credit with being the one that said, well, Vince, just fuck him then.
1: <laughs> really? I've never heard that story.
0: Yeah. Well, Vince Russo takes credit for saying it. And then uh, of course he does. And then um, Jim Cornette takes umbrage with vince russo taking credit for it and actually if you go listen to the jim Cornette experience podcast the episode they did on the montreal screw job recently last couple of weeks um he goes into great detail as to why vince russo is full of shit and as and he gives you even more details and backstory as to um why uh as to what happened so it's actually a great little companion piece if you watch the viceland documentary then you listen to Cornette's podcast it's a it's a good companion piece (laughs) The uh, Bruiser Brody story was very, very, very good, and that's free on YouTube, I think, or if you go to Viceland.com, you can watch that one for free. Uh, That's excellent. I mean, I know his story's been sort of told, but this was in a completely different way. And then uh, I just finished recently watching the Von Erichs episode, and holy shit is that good. I mean... I've seen the Heroes of World Class documentary, and I watched WWE's Triumph and Tragedy of World Class Championship Wrestling, and I even watched the ESPN 30 for 30 special little short they did on the Von Eriks. But this Viceland piece, this, this access that they had to Kevin and what he told them, what he shared with them, I mean, it really – it encapulates capula- their story – I think I used that word correctly uh, – better than any other documentary I've seen. I cannot – put over that one enough.
1: That's crazy because because Heroes of World Class is arguably my favorite documentary. I think it was the was the best done that I've ever seen. So that's that's high marks for sure.
0: Yeah. I, I loved Heroes of World Class, but I I truly believe this this is this in many ways looking at the Von Erich family itself is better. Um I haven't watched it yet, but I'm very excited to watch the Gino Hernandez one because he is a guy who Again, like I, you hear about him on shooter interviews or people talk about him and Bruce Pritchard talked about him in his podcast when they talked about Houston wrestling and, and this and that. But I don't think he's ever been given the full you know, documentary scope like Viceland has done on him now. And so I'm, I'm very excited to see that. And then just today I found out about um, – an uh, on Viceland, after the the uh, Dark Side of the Ring is done, they have a, an even a new – TV series. It's uh, on independent wrestlers, kind of given the same treatment, and I think it's like, called like wrestling.tv. I actually just followed them on a wrestler TV. Just gave them a follow on, on Twitter today, actually. Yeah, it's called The Rustlers. And it's going to be a 10 part documentary series showcasing the top global independent wrestling talent. Premieres uh, 9 p.m. on May 22nd on Viceland. And the little trailer they put out for it looks excellent excellent so i'm i'm actually pretty excited about it it's and it's kind of you know it's going to be followed right after dark side of the Rings. is over you know this is gonna is gonna pick up and, and move on and yeah it looks good it looks really really good so
1: and it's awesome seeing somebody outside kind of the wrestling world embracing it and then looking at it and putting new eyes on it so
0: the guy that did this documentary who's who's doing it on um this the wrestlers TV. You know he talks to like Atsushi Onita, Kota Ibushi, MVP, uh, a bunch of other guys. But he already, if you go on to uh, YouTube now, he did a documentary. I think even with Vice on the CZW, CZW's Termin of Death a couple of years ago. And if if that documentary that this guy did then is anything like these ones that are going to be coming out. These are gonna be. This will be a great ten-part documentary series.
1: You know, because the, I, think I, was, I think I watched that. I think I actually watched that documentary. Yeah. I believe it was amazing. If I remember seeing it, because no. I never, I don't care about CZW, but that was right. Yeah, no. I saw that inside America's most violent yes. wrestling death match. Yeah. yeah, it was really good.
0: Most is the the bald head, bearded guy, right? And he's like, anyways, he's hosting this the wrestlers. He hosted that documentary as well, and. Or he did that documentary as well. He's doing this one, this ten-part one. So I mean, like that, you know, that's a proven commodity already out there. That CZW one that you just that you just mentioned the title of that one, and now he's going to be doing this ten-part one. So I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, it should be good.
0: And you know, I love wrestling, and I love watching, uh, you know, matches in the ring, obviously. And I commented this to someone as much as I love the fact that when I was in Indy Mania, I went to those six shows and it was awesome. I think it would have been nice if they would have had some sort of panel discussion to go to because as much as I love watching professional wrestling, I also love watching the stories of wrestling and hearing about the stories of wrestling and the history of wrestling. And it's like when I went to NWA Legends Fan Fest in 2009, which is still the standard bearer for me for wrestling conventions of all the ones I've been to wrestling weekends I've made. You know, that right there, that experience that weekend between the cost of it and my experience is what I had. I mean, it still takes the cake, honestly. Um, but, you know, we had the Q&A discussion with Ric Flair and Harley Race, you know, K 25 years later. We had the evening with Cornette, which was hilarious. You know, we had the Hall of Heroes banquet. Then we had that Saturday morning Memphis wrestling 90-minute roundtable they did. And then we had matches on Saturday and Sunday. So you had a great mix of of wrestling of of different types and the, you know, and, and that, I feel like that's missing from Russell con. I think if they did away with one of the shows and had a, like a panel discussion panels as well, I think it would enhance the experience a little bit more, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this, this new, the wrestlers uh, of Iceland. So
1: yeah, I need to catch up on the other ones. I mean, I, I've heard not just from you, even from people that aren't really big wrestling fans that know that I'm a wrestling fan. Be like, hey, did you check these out? Yeah, they're really good. So,
0: no, And I'm those people are not wrong. It is really good. So <laughs> anyhow, I kind of this week wanted to chat about uh, merchandise, wrestling merchandise. You know, like you've been a longtime wrestling fan collector. I'm a wrestling, longtime wrestling fan collector. And I thought it'd be fun just to talk about some of the the, the things we've collected or seen over the years.
1: Yeah, I'm down with the, I've been through a lot of things. Um, do you remember what your first piece of wrestling memorabilia was?
0: Honestly, if I'm going all the way back in my brain, the first thing I remember ever getting uh, was before any figures or the wrestling ring itself which, I mean, I could have already had my Hulk Hogan ring and, and, and figure. I mean, my WWF ring and Hulk Hogan LJN figure was my dad got me for Christmas one year the audio cassette of the Rustling album. Ah. And I remember specifically, it did not come in like a cassette plastic cassette case. It came in like a big oversized cardboard, like uh, the size of a record album. And then... They had a square cutout that the tape was in, and the whole thing was shrunk wrap. I remember that vividly, and like that, like that's one of my first things I remember getting: my Hulk Hogan LJN and my Hulk Hogan uh, Rock and Wrestling workout set, and my Hulk Hogan Rock and, well, my rock, rock and Wrestling sheet set. Those are my first four things I really remember getting, and as far as the order, I can't recall, but I still have all four of them.
1: That's awesome. I have nothing with that old, but that's awesome.
0: I have the LJN figure still. I have the cassette. I have all I have left of the rock and wrestling workout is the the, the two three pound dumbbells. And I still have my um, my rock and wrestling sheet set. Um, I don't use the sheets, but I still use the pillowcases to this day. Like they're (laughs) on my bed right now.
1: (laughs) Your wife allows that. She doesn't care. That's
0: awesome. Well, because see, when you buy a set of like sheets, you only get two pillowcases. Ah. So now she just claims both of those on the new set of sheets. When we get a new set of sheets, and I just use my old Hulk Hogan, Rock and Wrestling pillowcases.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah. So you know, I've only had those for thirty-five years or whatever it is 30, 30 plus years, and I still use them when I sleep today. <laughs> I'm an adult.
1: Yeah. Well, hey. it's
0: gonna be. Forty next month. So
1: <laughs> they, hey, look, whoever bought you those got their money's worth out of them. Yeah. They it that way they've been slept on for how many thousands of nights.
0: Right. That, that's yeah. Exactly. My, my dad. My dad got me all four of those <laughs> things. So I don't. I don't think my mom ever bought me anything wrestling related at all when I was a kid. Come to think of it, my dad always got me that stuff. My dad's who got me into wrestling. So. I think my mom bought me has bought me wrestling stuff now as an as an adult older in life you know like since you know like since my twenties or something I may have been like give me this can I have this book or you know for Christmas birthdays or whatever and I will say this my mom bought wrapping paper she did an order off wwf dot com and she got the wrapping paper and she's I, I, yeah this year I still got a gift wrapped in wwf wrapping paper. <laughs> it's not, it's, order back off the shop then but like what she does is like i have to unwrap it carefully and give it back to her so she can reuse it
1: that's awesome
0: yeah so anyways uh but as a kid she wasn't uh she 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 wasn't a, a influencer there what about yourself what is like the first um thing you remember getting
1: Um, my, my first wrestling merchandise, um, I, I got it, my my brother was born April 3rd, 1987, so a few days after WrestleMania yeah. and obviously, I mean, I was three and a half, somewhere in there, but wrestling, I was already in my blood by that point, so, um, I got an LJN ring, uh, nice. and I, I don't remember which figure I had, I only had one wrestling figure that actually fit it, um, but I remember actually distinctly having this ring, and my wrestling, my wrestler, which I really feel like it was Roddy Piper, yep. um, in the hospital when my brother was being born. And I had it wrestling a toy cow because that was what else I had. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, you know, Piper beat the shit out of a cow, you know, which I, I think he could have done. Um, and
0: Ryan, that LJN ring is the best wrestling ring that's ever been released.
1: It really is. I love the graphics on the side of it that had like camera crew and everything else. It was so neat.
0: But just the size of the ring and the ropes, I mean, even with figures today, they would – you can wrestle better in that than you can the rings you can buy now.
1: And uh, at the same time, I got a couple of thumb wrestlers at the time. The WWF was making little rubber thumb wrestlers, and it, they came in two-packs, and my two-pack had Hogan and uh, – Big John Studd. Big Stud? John Studd, yep.
0: Yeah, if I remember correctly, that was the two pack. So.
1: And so I had that. That was my first wrestling merchandise. And I played with that stuff like, I mean, it was going out of style. I mean, <laughs> I wore all that stuff out to the point where even if I did have it, it would be so beat up now. It would just you would barely be able to recognize it.
0: Yeah. My only the only four LJN figures I still have. and I had a lot of them and I sold them off a few years ago because it was just they were sitting in a trunk. My kids weren't going to play with them. I mean, I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to unload these. Uh, I kept four. I have my Dynamite Kid, uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Terry Funk, and Hulk Hogan, my first one.
1: Good good assortment there.
0: It's a weird assortment. I understand. But, you know, I, I don't like today in this day and age. Do you still collect like you used to? Oh, God, no. I went through a phase where I just wanted everything rustling I saw. I went to yard sales, flea markets, any rustling tapes, figures, anything rustling related I grabbed. I used to have – back in my 20s, I had uh, in my apartment – my first apartment I had – I lived there nine years. I had – it was a three-bedroom apartment, and one of the bedrooms was my rustling room, and that's where all my collection was, and it was on display and on the walls and all around, and – I would I would high I would go in my little cave there. I had my computer in there. I had a TV. I had a nice chair, and I'd go in there and I would mess around the computer or watch, you know, always watching wrestling. But like that was my my man cave, and I wanted everything wrestling I could find. And then um, when I moved, everything got boxed up and went in the basement except for my books and DVDs and some of my autograph stuff, and and then that all got wrecked in the flood. And then after that, I just don't collect. Like I used to.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I went through the, where I would save everything. That was my big thing. Like, um, yeah. I had subscriptions to Raw Magazine and WBF Magazine. And yes. so every issue I just saved, I put it in a yep. gigantic bin. And i you know, I moved this bin with hundreds of magazines because that didn't even count the DCW Magazine and the WCW and WOW and Pro Wrestling Illustrated oh, and everything yeah. else I picked up over the years. And so I'd moved this, this was two bins. and ended up being, I mean, from, Tennessee to North Carolina and house to apartment and all this stuff until eventually I was like, you know what? This is getting a little ridiculous. (laughs) Like like it really is like I'm not going to reread these. I mean, sure, there's some nostalgia there, but um, I was bad about anything I get my hands on and trying to preserve things. And it might sound funny to any younger listeners, but, you know, pre-network and pre-even DVDs, you know, not everything was released. You couldn't, you know, if you missed an episode of Raw, you just had to pray that either you found a tape trader that had it or it ended up on a compilation tape somewhere down the road. And so I would tape every wrestling show every week. That was my thing. I had my VCR set up and I would tape it. And I, I mean, I had hundreds of VHS tapes. And then what I would do is, at the end of the year, I would mark ones with specific matches or promos and stuff I like. And then I would yeah. make like a best of tape. And then I would just re-record over all the tapes. So I, mean,
0: I had, I did the same thing. I recorded wrestling every week. I recorded Raw. I recorded SmackDown. I mean, not Smack. Yeah, small Raw, Nitro. I mean, I recorded everything that I, I could for wrestling, and I. And I regret some things because as a as a as a younger kid, I would just record. I record it and watch it, and I I didn't value saving it as much then. Um, and then I started saving. And then like when when I got my first DVR, this is what was very interesting for me. I got my first DVR, and um, I would record wrestling on the DVR. And at that time, I was recording, you know, Raw, SmackDown nitro thunder whatever everything there was and then when those were gone it was just mostly raw smackdown tna and then um i used to get fox sport and espanol and i would record cmll and my vcr was still hooked up through my cable box so it actually got to the point where i could make my own compilation tapes based on i could take on the dvr i could pause it right before the match started start recording on my vcr play the DVR, play the match, and then, so I could edit my own using my DVR and my VCR. I could edit my own little compilation tapes for, um, you know, off the shows. So I I did that, and then I had, eventually I converted those tapes through to DVD because I got this thing you hooked to your computer, you plugged your VCR into it, and it it would record on your computer uh, a video file, and then I would burn that to a DVD. So I actually have about six dvd compilations of stuff i recorded off tv and like the first match is a rick flair match and then the next match is uh you know a, a woman's uh luce libre six man you know six woman tag and then it goes to <laughs> like local independent wrestling like it was literally just chronological as it was on is how i put it in this compilation so it's kind of it's kind of comical
1: that's, I mean, that's exactly what I did, just with, with just yeah. straight-up VHS tapes. It was the same thing. Yeah. It was just like I would mark the tapes, and I would just start – because I would recycle the tapes kind of like uh, old security cameras would, where you would just use the same date each month or whatever. So it was just yes. like, okay, it's January. Here's my Jan- my first week of January tape. Let me go ahead yeah. and mark off this. What do I need to say from it? and uh, <laughs> I wish I had some of those. I'll be honest. Yeah. I, I mean, Obviously, me I don't too. need the whole shows, but I would love to have my little bootleg compilations with yeah. all their errors and and then, of course, um, you know, with, with tapes, my other two sources were um, I, there was a couple of kids at school, we would, we would order pay per views and trade. And that was yeah. a good way to get a hold of pay per views. And there was one kid at school, and I never forget, I, w- I was talking about death matches, and he's like, hey, man, my uncles got the full mcfoley terry funk death match and i'm like no he doesn't (laughs) because all the thing i'd ever seen were just clips that the WWE would show and it was just like no 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 that doesn't even exist and he's just like oh no he has it and i'm like what does he want for it you know (laughs) it's like i'm like whatever it takes money trades i got tons of tapes i gotta do whatever and uh the kid's like well let me ask him next time i see him and and truly amazingly enough within a month he's like look he says "If you bring me bring him a blank tape he'll he'll record it for you and i was like yes (laughs) no problem and i brought a blank tape and sure enough he gave me the whole 1995 king of the death match tournament and i was just amazed i felt like i was the only person in the world that had a copy of it it was so great
0: so for me the first time i saw those matches was on a it was actually a commercial release but it was kind of a bootleg it was done by uh, jcw it was strangle mania
1: I remember those. I had those too. <laughs>
0: yeah, so like, I remember going into like, I don't know, Sam Goody or whatever the music store was called then you know, where I bought my local tapes. And I remember seeing Strangle Mania and I was like, it's wrestling. I'm going to watch it. And uh, it wasn't the complete deathmatch tournament. It had many of the matches on there. and But like they called Cactus Jack prickly balls. And, you know, but I think they still called Terry Funk, Terry Funk. But everyone else was given a fake name. Or yeah, cause, a sarcastic name.
1: Because it was ICP that did the commentary, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was kind of garbage. But still, like, that's, like... I think on one of those Stranglemania tapes, because I had, I ended up buying the next one, just, like, I can ignore the commentary just to watch this wrestling because it just blew me away. But, like, it was the one where they had... Uh, super leather and Leatherface because like Corporal Kirchner was Leatherface. And then he went to jail for a while. And while he was in jail, they they just had someone else wear the costume. And then when Kirchner came back out of jail, he was super leather. And um, they had one match where the two Leatherfaces team together in Japan. Do you remember seeing this one?
1: I don't think I did. No.
0: Okay. Well, okay. So it was, they had like a bed of nails, barbed wire, bed of nails match, blah, blah, blah. And something happened and super leather or cursor got pissed off at one of the Japanese guys. He power bombs him on the bed of nails. And I remember reading an interview with the other guy, like off top man. I can't think of who played the other guy played Leatherface, but he was just like, it's almost kind of like when you watch the promo of uh, Stevie, Steve Korea, uh, Stevie Richards talking about when they uh, crucified the Sandman, how like, him and blue meanie were doing what Raven said, but they were both like, this is fucked up. This is fucked up. Order, it was the same type of thing. Like this guy was kind of afraid to not do what Kirsten told him to do. But at the same time, he's like, this is fucked up. And, and like Kirsten and Kirsten got fired for his actions and he really hurt the guy and everything. But like, anyhow, I just remember watching this and being like, Oh my God, this exists. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and they still do some crazy fucking shit in Japan to, you know, to this day. Um, but unfortunately, because, like, we saw that back 20 years ago, what they're doing now, did you ever see that spot where the guy took the bump on the open scissors?
1: I did. Fuck
0: yeah. that. Yeah,
1: yeah that's that, that's not even entertaining to me. It's no, just, that like, was – Seriously? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, so I remember seeing those tapes. I remember trying to get your hands on, like, uh, any of the old classic, even Coliseum Home Video tapes, you know, the clam shells or like those rare NWA releases, like if you could find those at a yard sale or flea market, that was gold.
1: Yeah, I I looked out um when I really kind of ramped up my my interest in wrestling again, say 96, 97, um yeah. I was at a flea market in Dallas and there was a video store that went out of business and they had just tapes galore none of them in the boxes though that was the only the only downside and yeah. i remember going on this back table and there was god there was 25 30 tapes and um nwa you know few wcw but mostly coliseum videos yep. and i just remember going to my dad and like please like this is a gold mine and i think the tapes were like 3 or 4 dollars a piece and i'm like i know there's a lot i'll mow the yard i'll do whatever i got to do just I know this is crazy. My da- my dad was one of those guys who was adamant about not buying tapes. He was always like, oh, "You have two VCRs. You tape whatever you need." <laughs> I was like, no, "Look, I need these." <laughs> so, and he did. He actually did buy them for me, and I had to work my ass off to to pay for them. But it was so worth it. And I got to revisit all this stuff that I vaguely remembered or hadn't always seen, like SummerSlam '92. I don't think I ever had rented that tape, and all of a sudden I owned it. And it was just like, "Oh wow, this is really good," you know. And it was it was a it really helped my wrestling education back in the day.
0: Anyhow, going back to talking about tapes real quick, because I thought of this while you were talking, and um, t- two things. One, my ex-wife one time came up, scored gold. She was on some shopping trip in New Hampshire, and um, you know, she's like, what do you want for Christmas? I'm like, I don't know, something you know, wrestling-related. And I opened up that year for Christmas. Uh, she got me... WCW's Ravishing Rick Rude uh, Raw VHS release, which I had never heard of or never seen before. And it was just a comp it was like a sixty minute tape, but it was a compilation or oh, thirty minutes or whatever it was, but it was a compliment comp compilation of Ravishing Rick Rude.
1: Really? I'd never and heard of that myself.
0: I know, and I was like, What is this? And then she got me a sting one too, and I had never heard of either one of those. And it was awesome. Huh. Yeah, uh, but we there used this flea market in uh, Lisbon Falls here in Maine, and uh, it was, um, yeah, it was an outdoor flea market, and there was this guy I always called Tape Guy. Uh, my brother, my 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 buddy Jay and I, we'd go see him. We always called him Tape Guy, and he had boxes and boxes and boxes of tapes. VHS tapes, but they were all like, you know, blank tapes that he had bought, and he'd either dubbed wrestling tapes on them, or he recorded pay-per-views on them, or whatever, and so like, and then sometimes there'd been movies on them, so like, you'd go through and he'd have them labeled, and we'd buy the ones that were labeled that we knew what was on them, like, you know, like you said, like SummerSlam 92, or or whatever it was, you know, we'd buy these tapes, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, Great American Bash, or whatever the tape was. And then. He had ones that were just marked rustling. So you didn't know what they were on them. And, and we bought those at the end, but he only sold these tapes for like a couple bucks a piece or whatever it was. And it was kind of part of the fun was going, picking through the tapes and then, and then buying them. And I remember like, we were looking through him one day and he came over and like, we've been going there like a year or so buying tapes off him every, you know, a couple times a month going and buying tapes. And he goes, Hey, uh, so you guys know, I'm not coming back. He's like, I'm all done. I'm I'm closing up shop this week. Because he sold tons of other stuff as well. And he's like, so if you guys are interested in buying, you know, the rest of my tapes, you know, it's like 40 bucks. You can take both boxes. So we jumped at it because it was a great deal. Anyway, so you'd be watching these tapes. And like you said, you'd be watching SummerSlam 92 and that would get over. And then maybe like Kindergarten Cop would come on. (laughs) Or, Or like a porno. (laughs) <laughs> or Faces of Death, or just some <laughs> random thing would just pop on after. Like, And I remember one night, like, um, I, I fell asleep watching one of the VHS tapes. And it was, uh, uh, I don't know, SummerSlam or King of the Ring or whatever it was. And I fell asleep watching it. And I woke up, and when I woke up, I woke up because there was some like heavy metal music playing. And I still don't know the name of the tape or the show I was that was playing, like whatever the program was. But it was in the same vein of like Faces of Death or whatever it was. It was like real. And I just remember them saying, like, we've shown you how uh, like a, a, a man becomes a woman. Now let us show you how a woman becomes a man. <laughs> and the next thing they know is show like an actual like in the, and they're playing this like they show this actual like trans sexual, whatever they call it, surgery of them, of like, you know, a doctor performing the procedure to, uh, you know, close up a woman's vagina and give her a penis and blah, 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 whatever it is. And it was all set to like, you know, trash metal music, whatever it is, like just hardcore. I don't know what the people are saying music the whole time. And I just remember being frozen in the chair. Like I woke up and I looked at the TV and went, what the fuck? and then just kind of being frozen and watching it because I was both horrified but extremely fascinated at the same time but I remember telling my buddy Jay like make sure you watch what what's else on the tape after, <laughs> after Russell <laughs> Cause he's like oh, okay because like we'd mark a tape with a star if it was something really interesting so we'd know like hey watch this one but yeah so I I just I remember you know gathering that tape collection and and just finding some really messed up stuff on, on what we call tape guys stuff. Guys stuff. Yeah.
1: Well, speaking of tapes, one more thing I want to talk about tapes. I, I loved um, the late 90s VHS tapes. They were they were few and far between. But um, two of my favorites that stand out was there was a best of uh, Survivor Series, 87 to 97. Oh, yes. Yeah, I remember that. WrestleMania 1 through 14. And essentially these were – precursors to kind of like the documentaries that WB does now, but back then they didn't do documentaries. This was rare. Um, So these were very unique and they were, you know, a couple hours long and it literally went through every single event and would highlight the couple of the best part of the matches and have some kind of backstage interviews. And it was really neat. And I watched those tapes so many times, those two specifically, um, and then of course they had started releasing some of their superstar tapes. They had the Co- "Cause Stone Cold said so" and the "Hell yeah," and these were, you know, kind of behind the scenes with Stone Cold and talked about well, his career, his rise, and it was good see, stuff.
0: The um the first VHS tape I remember WWE doing that was a documentary was the Cause Stone Cold said so," right?
1: It, one, I, I think it did come first.
0: Yeah, and it was the V that VHS tape I remember because I, I ordered it from WWE, so I had the VHS tape that had the cover of the, the the picture from WrestleMania with the blood running down the face and everything. Yeah, and I remember they they talked to they showed that's that's the tape they showed the clips from ECW on right. And Joey Styles was like, well, you didn't ask me, you know, and they had matches on there. But it was like the kind of the first like not just match compilation was it was a documentary because back at the old Coliseum home video days, you'd have like the cut ins where you'd have the guys talking about stuff. Or later on, you'd have like Bobby Heenan and Sean Mooney doing the skits or Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon doing skits or Lord Alfred Hazard, Bobby, whatever. But they were just kind of funny skits in between. They didn't talk about wrestling like like the Steve Austin one did, you know? And yeah. then Yeah, I remember that V and then they I think they did a rock one too. They did a and Rock one.
1: And the D X one. They did a D Generation X one.
0: Yep, yep. Um but I, I, I don't know at what, what point I switched over to DVD. I think I think I finally I think the reason why I finally went to D V D because I had such a huge VHS collection. I think the reason I went to DVD was because WWE started releasing like the home video documentaries, which were really good on VHS, on DVD with bonus features, with extra matches.
1: Yeah, with complete and, matches.
0: Yes, with complete, with behind this, with with more additional footage. And I think it was the bonus features of the DVDs of for WWF that finally made me switch from VHS to DVD because I wanted those bonus features. I wanted to see that extra rustling stuff.
1: Yeah, me too. That that always – I mean even to this day, if I buy a superstar DVD, I usually go for the Blu-ray just because I know it's going to include three to four more matches. It's worth the extra seven bucks for the three or four matches. I, I
0: went to Blu-ray as well, but now actually if you notice, like I think Kevin Owens' one is the first one I bought the DVD of instead of the Blu-ray because there was no extras on the Blu-ray. yeah. And in fact, now WWE is actually they've they've decreased their Blu-ray releases, and primarily they just release VH, uh, DVDs now, which almost feels like a backstep.
1: It does, but I think it's just it's so much cheaper to produce, and the sales are just dropping. And it's in yep. part of that's their own fault with the WWE network. So I mean, yes. it's 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 definitely on them. But um, do you remember when ECW right at its tail end started releasing Pioneer production tapes? home video. Pioneer, yeah,
0: yeah, oh yeah. I, I still have some.
1: Oh, see, I, I've actually been—I I have a pre-written segment because I wanted to—I want to I get a hold of those and review them for the blog. It's been on my my list because I had ordered all those. You know, it was like they're their compilation tapes because ECW was—I mean, I was watching it on a 56k connection, so it wasn't like I was seeing good <laughs> stuff other than now, some tape trading. So th- these so were like. What,
0: did you have did you have the VHSs or the DVDs?
1: I had the VHS tapes.
0: See, all right, I remember seeing the VHSs of those like at the video store, but I had the DVDs. I still have some of the oh,
1: DVDs. Oh, so you've got them in better quality so and everything. Kind
0: of, well, around that same time, do you remember a company called Tokyo Pop that was releasing the FMW?
1: I do because I bought those as well.
0: <laughs> I, I still have some of those DVDs.
1: Oh, see, I never got – I only had those on VHS. I never got them on DVD. Yeah.
0: See, what was kind of annoying was, is it, yeah, like like with Strangle Mania, they did alternate commentary on those. Um, and that was kind of annoying. However, they did release on the DVDs, like they would release um, uh, the raw footage of bonus matches that just had Japanese commentary. So that was interesting. So on the DVDs, you got that extra stuff. But yeah, I had... I had all the FMW DVDs at one point, and then I think like in 2012 when I got divorced, I just – my DVD collection was so huge, and it was just like I just can't move this constantly. So I think I went through, and I, I think I made some hard decisions, and I went through like each DVD and was like, okay, do I care about anything or everything that's on this? Is there nothing I care about? You know, Because I, I used to just buy it to buy it because it was rustling and then i went through a phase where i was like all right and now i'm just like i wish i still had them i wish i hadn't done that um but yeah i still have some of those dvds those fmw ones um now on the ecw ones i don't know if you remember this but do you remember when they used to put easter eggs on dvds oh yes is oh, that yes. even a th-
1: thing still i don't think so i haven't heard i haven't heard about an easter egg on a dvd in years but i mean I when they first came out it was everywhere
0: Oh, some of them were so fucking elaborate too like if you have to if you go to the chapters and go down to chapter 12 and then push up up down down left right on the remote you know you'll get a, a secret hidden clip of RVD diving on someone <laughs> you know like so like I remember because I remember like bookmarking DVD Easter eggs or whatever, some website where someone had discovered them all. But like, people would sit there, and you'd have to go through these DVDs for all these Easter eggs they hit on them. Um, but yeah, like those ECW ones were loaded with them.
1: Yeah, you know what? Maybe I, I really feel like – you said that. I really feel like maybe I did end up buying one ECW DVD because I feel like finding an RVD something or another on the back of one. Because I was I was all about anything RVD for a while there. I was ordering shoot interviews from RF Video and everything else. So Dude, those, hey, were, those were good times.
0: If uh, if Rob Feinstein can survive his scandal, then uh, I guess Michael Elgin might as well.
1: <laughs> That's true. <laughs> very very true. So we talked about toys. Did you have anything like like unique, like weird wrestling, like um like for example. My dad, it made my day – and I forgot I even owned this until a few weeks ago. I'll have to try to find the, the picture. My dad saw at some bookstore or somewhere they had a cardboard magazine rack um, that was made for wrestling magazines. And, um oh. It was, I think it was kind of like an off-brand type thing, but I, I believe it had Stone Cold, maybe Goldberg, and The Rock on, on top of it. And it just had like four holes where you just put magazines and people could walk by and grab them. And I get, my dad was always a great talker, so he ended up talking the guy into giving this to him. And so this thing sat in my room for a couple of years, and I would just put my newest magazines on it. So it was like I had my own little magazine rack. And it was one of those unique wrestling things that you know, I'm sure not very many people had. Did you ever have anything weird or quirky? Oh, shit
0: um i'm trying to think (sighs) well okay so like i i had all right so i i somehow got my hands on because i worked at a store uh we got the uh, macho man slim jim tins in so like they were they it, it was part of the display for slim jims so it was like a tall tin can that held slim jims in it like for and then like eventually you know they sold or whatever and and I was able to take that tin home. So I, ha- I had that. I had, um, like, if you went to KB Toys, they had, like, the big banner for, like, the ECW video game coming out. hmm I got a couple of those. Oh, that's from, nice. From KB Toys. Like, the we'd go in there so much, the one that we had in Brunswick. We'd go in there so many times are uh, so often to buy wrestling figures and this and that and everything. And I think I asked one day, I was like, Hey, where's that ECW banner that you guys had up? You know, like the big cardboard banner had Sabu having, I think Sabu had the, the camera clutch on just incredible on it, whatever. And it was for the, you know, the new video game coming out. And he's like, Oh yeah, we take, you know, we rotate those through. And I was like, Oh man, I would have loved to have had that. He's like, Oh, it's still a back. You want it? And I'm like, hell yeah. So he went and got that. And we ended up, my buddy got some, like we ended up getting, Like, they'd start saving them for us. And so I end up with, like, half a dozen of those different ones. But ECW is the one that stands out the most because, see, to me, like – I legit was that kid in high school where on Friday nights I'd go to my buddy Jay's house and at 1 a.m. on because he had the big satellite dish in the backyard at 1 a.m. We put it on Sports Channel Philadelphia and we'd watch ECW, you know, like we that legitimately is what we did. You know, a lot of people, I think, say they did that and they didn't. But, you know, that's what we did. And so, like, to me, ECW, like I was the perfect age for when that was happening and so anything ecw to me was the best so having that ecw sign i got from kb for the video game was like yeah you know buying the ecw dvd uh, dvds buying the cds you know i mean all that stuff like that so anything ecw i could get was like really a big coup for me
1: Oh I agree. I was I was 100%. I didn't have a friend a satellite dish. So I had to watch it on um, America One, which would stream uh ECW and for a while their XPW and NWA Wildside and I mean yeah. and then sometimes even like backyard leagues and I mean this was I mean, I'm watching it on a three inch, you know, real player, you know, video. So it wasn't like I saw a lot. Right. But I, but anything that I could get that was official, that wasn't like a bootleg from a tape trader, was great. Yep. So I bought one ECW magazine that had Justin Incredible on it, and I freaking loved it. Um,
0: oh, those ECW magazines were fantastic. Oh,
1: they were huge and full colored. It was fantastic. Yep.
0: I mean, they, and, and I think Fonzie had like really cool road stories in the back.
1: Oh, yeah. I it, remember
0: one of his articles, yeah.
1: And then um, they released for a while they had the ECW t- action figures, and so sure. I got I got a hand, my hands on a couple of those, which were actually really good action figures.
0: Uh, the original San Francisco toy makers—they released those line. I had uh, series one and two. I had complete sets of. As a matter of fact, at that same KB Toys, I pre-ordered two of everyone from the first series, and I. I left one There there's like six figures in the line. I left one in package and the other I opened so I could play with because I play with my wrestling figures. I Mm -hmm. wrestle with them. Um, As a matter of fact, in a tote upstairs in my son's room, my oldest son's room, all my old wrestling figures, there's they're they're in there. That's awesome. I have my Taz and my Sabu and my actually my Tommy Dreamers on my shelf down here because I have uh, a shelf that I, I built this bookcase when I got divorced in 2012. And I, and I got done. I went, holy shit, I am handy. Uh, <laughs> um, and I still have it, actually. And it's really nice. I'm surprised. It's just I bought pine boards at Home Depot, and I had them cut to size there because I didn't have any way to cut them. And I got back to my apartment, and I just used my driver drill, and I drilled the whole thing together. And I was like, well, that'll do for now. And then I got done. I'm like, that's actually really nice. Um and so now fast forward I've moved it five places and it's in the house I currently live in and it's in the hallway of the stairwell and I keep all my my keep not all but I keep my wrestling books on it and then I have like one shelf that's dedicated to uh um, my little collectibles that I still have and that Tommy Dreamer's on that shelf from that East, from that first ECW line
1: that's uh, because I don't think people will realize how rare getting that ECW stuff was. Like, I oh, think you, you have younger fans now that are like, oh, WWE, WCW, and ECW. And they don't realize that, hey, ECW was primarily a Northeast Cusk company. Yeah. And when they, yeah, sure, they had a video game put out by Acclaim, and sure, they had toys. But these weren't toys that you could walk into your Toys R Us and buy. You know, yeah. these weren't. The, the d- DVDs and VHSs were not readily available at every – you couldn't go to the Best Buy and buy them. You had to go to somewhere like an FYE or a Sam Goody right, you know, yeah. and, and sometimes order them like you did with your action figures.
0: Well, and that's the thing. Like At FYE, like the only reason why I got those FMW and ECW d- releases because I specifically asked, it was the same thing like trying to get um, uh, Pride. Like I would, I'd go in and order Pride the Pride DVDs when those came out because they were unbelievable. And then they started carrying them because I was ordering them. So like, well, we'll order a couple, seeing how this guy wants them. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I still have a few Pride DVDs because I was buying those up like crazy to watch those. I still have a few of those. I went through, kept the best fights. Um, but you're right, anything officially licensed ECW was so rare. Um, and.
1: and- Worse, it all came out pretty much their final year.
0: that's like, the other thing too, yeah.
1: It was like – I mean I think the DVD releases for the ECW stuff came out after ECW had shut down. I don't even think they actually got released when ECW was still around. They were so, just already in production.
0: Actually, I think a couple of them did come out before because I remember seeing the commercials for them on ECW on TNN. And that's how I knew about them, to go order them oh, at okay. FYE. However, I do remember – there being a big lawsuit litigation thing because after ECW closed and WWE bought ECW and bought the library pioneer and WWE had a lawsuit over pioneer releasing the home videos. And cause pioneer had already acquired the rights to certain. Um, if you noticed the first few pioneer releases were, uh, compilations and mm-hmm. then the last few were full events like Russell Palooza, 97, cyber slam 99 and like Spy cyber, cyber slam 99 i think was the most exciting ecw dvd release that i was excited to get the most because it was a full complete ecw card that i had never seen on vhs anywhere and never seen on obviously and never i never watched it never saw it on vhs and it was just like to have that dvd i was like yes because it didn't put it on they didn't put that on pay-per-view it was uh online only gimmick thing that they did back in 99 and I didn't have it then. So I, for whatever reason, it's standing up in mind. I remember getting that one and being very excited, but that I didn't get that till like 2001.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Two years later and you're happy yeah. about it. Hey, now it was we're like, oh, w- I w- was like four N-C-D. weeks for a to get on the network. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> what do you mean? I can't watch impact till Tuesday after it airs.
0: Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like talking. To, I was talking to someone about that at work the other night. When they're like, they're like, "What are you watching?" I'm like, "I'm watching New Japan Pro Wrestling." It was like three in the morning or whatever, five in the morning. I'm like, "I'm watching New Japan Pro Wrestling." Oh, what are you watching that on? I'm like, I'm "Watching on New Japan World." This is live in Japan right now. Right now, you're watching that. That's happening in Japan right now, and you're watching. I'm like, "Hey, yeah, it's pretty amazing." Because back, you know, in the '90s when I was tape trading, like. They'd have a big show happening in Japan and maybe three or four or five, six months later, I'd finally get my hands on a VHS copy of it and was excited about it, you know? And the now
1: quality. <laughs>
0: and yeah, and the quality is like now fifth hand or whatever. If you get a, if you get a sec, even a second generation quality copy on a tape tray, that was gold. Oh, yeah. you know, first generation just didn't happen. People didn't let those go. And I, I don't blame them. Um, But, yeah, so – but now it's like, oh, I can just watch it live when it happens. It's amazing how things have changed, (laughs) how they've progressed.
1: So what about apparel? Because that was something that was huge for me, and it's funny because – I was having a conversation with somebody recently about um like embarrassing high school things. And they were just like, Oh, you know, I was in high school, I had this bad haircut or I had this or I wore this and I was like, you know, I didn't really have any of that. I was always kinda of pretty plain Jane. I kinda of dressed the same way now that I did then. I was yeah. like, but at my sophomore year of high school, I owned thirty five or thirty six wrestling shirts. Hey. And so that yeah, that meant I got to wear a different one every day of the month and that's what I did. That was my entire wardrobe and that was it. <laughs>
0: For a reference point, what year was that? Do you know?
1: So that would have been probably 1998.
0: Okay, the height of the Attitude Era. Yes. I got married the first time in 1998. So um, I was in the same boat then because I had had literally like tons and tons and tons of wrestling T-shirts. And uh, I think the first big wrestling T-shirt that I got was actually, of all things, ironically, is this how it works – Um, I went to WCW Nitro in June of 1997 at the Fleet Center in Boston. I had second row. We had gone down and stood – you can read about this on the uh, the blog, but my buddy Jay and I – again, Jay comes up a lot. Uh, Jay and I went to our first wrestling show together in 1995, and now 24 years later, Jay and I just went and spent the week together in New York. So, I mean, he lives in Massachusetts now, but – you know, he mentioned the other when we were heading down on the train, he goes, I was talking to Amy and I said, I'm glad after 25 years, Mike and I still go on wrestling trips. Okay. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> so back in uh, March of 97, when I was in high school, I was a 17 senior in high school. Uh, I asked my mom, hey, can I go stand in line to buy nitro tickets in Boston outside the fleet center? And she goes, oh, go ask Irvin. That's my stepfather. And then the next thing you know, he's giving me a ride to Jay's house um so we drove down to boston we got outside the fleet center like 2 a.m uh and we stood in line all night to buy tickets to nitro and this is back before you could buy them online it didn't exist it's 97 um and then the guy fucked up and only gave us one ticket so we had to get two tickets so we end up with second row not first row but whatever uh at that show i bought an nwo t-shirt and i bought another guy his WWE was doing a show in Maine that same weekend, and this other guy I had met, kind of the like the early days of, of message groups or Facebook groups, or not Facebook, Jesus, but uh like uh user groups or whatever, message boards. We both chatted about wrestling and we both lived in Maine, and he was going to the WWE show, so he got me an Austin 316 shirt, I got him an NWO shirt. We met up at a an ice cream shop in Lewiston and exchanged things, and never talked to him again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no lifelong friend out of this story. That was the end of it, but that was the start. You know, I got like basically in the same week in June of '97, I got an Austin 316 shirt and I got a uh, NWO shirt, and that pretty much started my. and Then it just exploded from there.
1: Yeah, it was kind of the same way. I think I started with an Austin 316 shirt, and then I got a DX shirt, and then it just kept it kept going. And my my biggest pride moment that came out of it all was you know m- my family. I didn't grow up in a wrestling family. So and being that it was getting so big when I was, you know, in my later teenage years, it, it actually bothered my parents, especially my dad. He's just like, You know it's fake, you know, he's just like, Seriously, you're gonna waste your time with that. You know, the typical stuff we, we hear. Um,
0: I remember and, my stepmom trying to tell me that wrestling was fake when I was a little kid and my dad getting so pissed at her. Like, really oh yeah it was hilarious like i remember she's like well you know it's not real right and i'm like what i'm like eight or nine, or seven or eight or nine or whatever i'm like we're in the car and I, i'm like what i just remember my dad like whipping his head around looking at her and just giving her that his his death look where his <laughs> bottom lip goes up over his eyebrows you know whatever and <laughs> And she's like, well, you should know. And he's like, he knows what it is. He's wrestling. So anyway, I'm sorry. Go
1: ahead. Oh, no. Well, it's funny. So my dad was the opposite because I remember him going. I remember him sitting me down. And he's like, Brandon, you're too smart to watch this. And I was just like, really? I was <laughs> like, like, you watch Dateline like all the time. That's all you watch. Besides <laughs> so that's the point. Anyway, my family was always kind of weird about my wrestling stuff. But they eventually just kind of tolerated it. And um Obviously, they were helping me buy these shirts here and there, and I remember walking into a Kmart with my grandmother rocking a, a NW Wolfpack shirt, which was my favorite. Nice. And I'm walking in, and there's a guy walking out, and I'm like 15, whatever, and this guy's probably in his late 30s. And he walked by, and as we passed, he's just like, hey, man, nice shirt. And he just kept on going. And I remember my grandma, like, turning to me, like, almost in slow motion, like, what the fuck? Like, how did you just make a weird connection with some random sh- grown stranger, you know, with your weird wrestling shirt? Like, it was just like I was I walked around that Kmart proud as shit because <laughs> this one guy just validated my entire wrestling fandom, which was great. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I had so many shirts. I mean, and they covered everything. And um, I ended up making pretty much my one big wrestling uh, friend in high school out of that there was a we we in my high school the seniors had a separate commons where they ate in the cafeteria and this guy kept seeing me with the wrestling shirt and he walked by and be like hey man great shirt i really like that or did you watch raw last night or whatever yeah. and uh eventually he was just like look i can't invite you into the commons he's like but i can come out here and sit with you so <laughs> i want to talk wrestling during my lunch breaks and i was like all right and he was a guy like he took me the day that WWF Volume Three came out like we went to Best Buy or wherever we bought it like the day of and picked it oh, up and music? stuff like that. Yeah, the music, yeah. Yeah. And Volume I, Four I and all that. Had, yeah. Sorry. Oh no, no yeah, but so, that, so that it was it, my my shirt made me some friends out of it, so it was all good.
0: My uh, my first ever wrestling shirt that I can remember was a Hulk Hogan shirt. I remember we were at Bradley's, my dad and I. And he's looking through, looking through, and my size is just not on the shelf, on the rack. And he gets the clerk, and he goes, what's that size on that one right there? Because they had, like, a little mannequin torso on top of the display, and they had the shirt on it. And that shirt was my size, and so he bought that for me. So I had this Hulk Hogan shirt. I can sort of picture it. It's almost like his face was on, like, a TV. I don't know. Um, But I had that shirt. I had a Hulk Hogan pajama set. I have pictures of me from when I was a kid, like walking out on Christmas Eve. Uh, and my dad, I, for whatever reason it stands out, and I got that Hulk Hogan pajama set on. Um, but when my dad took me to the only wrestling show he ever took me to, uh, June 4th, 1989, at the Cumberland County Civic Center, I'm a dork. Uh, <laughs> he bought me a No Holds Barred t-shirt. Oh, nice. And it was the blue one, the baby blue with Hulk Hogan and Zeus staring at each other. And Hogan had autographed the shirts before the show. But for whatever reason, mine had two autographs on it. And I don't know why. I still don't know why to this day. But I I remember like sitting and I also got an Ultimate Warrior poster that day. Um, I remember sitting in the seat and like some kids were walking by and like they'd stop and look at my shirt because like a lot of kids had the Knowles Bard shirt. Because my my dad even remembers this. We were talking about this a while ago because – um, anyways and finally one kid just pointed and he goes like why do you have two autographs I didn't even notice my dad didn't even notice but if you look at my shirt to this day and it is it is Hulk Hogan's signature because I've seen his signature a bunch of times since then, but my shirt is autographed twice by Hulk Hogan for some reason and uh, I still have the shirt as a matter of fact um, my son wore it to a sh- wrestling show recently
1: <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> You passed um, it down.
0: I'm a bit of a hoarder. Like,
1: uh, Oh, I, I'm getting that. <laughs>
0: yeah. Like, there's just like, I don't know. There's just certain things that I managed to hold on to. Like that same show that my dad took me to my stepdad took my brother to that same show at the common County civic center. Cause he felt bad. My brother wasn't going whatever. It's just, you know, my dad and I, my mom wanted me and my brother to be unique individuals so much so that we each have our own dad. Um, <laughs> Right, she yeah. doesn't like that joke. By the way, uh, <laughs> so my stepdad took my brother to the the Khamel County Civic Center that day as well, and he he bought my brother the the yellow Hulk rules Hulk rules tearaway shirt that Hogan would wear.
1: Mm-hmm. I got that too <laughs> from your brother.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Upstairs in my room, I have that as well. Uh, and I have this this weird like you know sheets come in a zipper bag. Well, I don't you know like a, you know what I mean like they'll come in like a plastic bag yeah. then they'll yeah. So whatever reason I have one of those bags I think blanket a blanket came in it and in that bag like I have like the I, that's where I kept stuff for a long time moving around I guess. But I had like I somehow I must have found that Hulk Rules T-shirt on like in my brother's closet when he went off to the military. And by then, we, you know, it was like you know, eight years later, whatever it was, and so I must have grabbed it then because I have that. I have a Hulk Hogan bandana that I got from a video store. They had a gimmick where if you rented a WWF tape, you got a free Hulk Hogan bandana. Um, and I was buying VHS home videos, uh, Coliseum home videos, and so they gave me one because well, you're buying something, wrestling. Yeah. Um, it was that. That was at a uh, Sounds Easy video store, and uh, so I have like I still have those things from when I was a kid shirt apparel wise. Uh, but over the years, like I've worn stuff like that, that Austin three sixteen shirt, it basically like fell apart on me. You know, um, I still have a few wrestling shirts that I've had for 10 plus years that I'm just kind of holding on to because, you know, if I lose the weight, they'll fit me again. <laughs> uh, but I just can't bear to part with. And then now um, currently I have, I still like. I, I still have a few shirts now. Like I just bought a badass Four Horsemen one. I got the New Japan one. I got some Limitless ones. Um, did you ever buy an event T-shirt from like a, a going to a show? I
1: did not. And um, I, I, I do. Well, you know what? That's not true. I did buy one at WrestleMania 27. That was the only shirt, and it was a good looking shirt. Okay. Um, the problem was. I I almost missed WrestleMania because I ended up with strep uh, yeah. throat and ended up spreading through, like, my whole mouth, and I was – I mean, I missed two weeks of work. It, it was a horrible deal, and I lost, like, 15 pounds over these couple weeks. Oh, wow. And, um it, you know, it was a blessing, though, because I, I got better, like, a day before I we was supposed to leave and drive to Atlanta, but I dropped so much weight – that I was easily fitting into a smaller shirt. And so when I got there, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna buy this extra large or large, whichever one it was. Yeah. And I was like, this is good because I'm gonna keep this weight off. And so, you know, it fit me, but it was a little tight. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I, I I didn't keep the weight off. <laughs> so, yeah. So that, that was the only one. Um and I, I wish I had bought one at like the uh well you know what I guess I got one with my NWA fan fest event um, but I, I never oh, yeah.
0: bought, okay, I, I just, I have that one too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cause I have two in my brain. I was about to talk about, I completely forgot about that one. Yeah. I, uh, WrestleMania 24. I bought the t-shirt there. I don't have that t-shirt anymore. Um, because I, I was kind of in the same boat then. It was like I had dropped like 60 pounds. I was like, I'm going to keep this weight off. And I bought that, the smaller size shirt, you know, the 2X instead of the 3. And then, I mean, I, I eventually did put the weight back on, not straight away. Um, but I don't have that shirt anymore. Um, and then I got that NWA Legends Fan Fest shirt in 2009 as well. Uh, the one year I went, I had uh, Hogan and, and uh, Hogan, um, Ric, Ric Flair and Harley Race on the front. Yeah. And so that's an awesome one. And then just recently I did not buy one at the show because they didn't have my size and they were thirty dollars. But I just ordered it off Ring of Honor's website because they're all fifty percent off and they had my size. But I got a G one Supercard shirt. Oh nice. So it says uh Ring of Honor New Japan Pro Wrestling, G one Supercard, four six nineteen, New York City. And then on the sleeve, one sleeve, it's got the Ring of Honor logo. On the other sleeve, it's got the New Japan logo. Um, so, yeah, it's a really cool, badass shirt. So I bought that one. It was $13.49. Thank you very much, which I got from Ring of Honor. So, I mean, uh, yeah, from the Ring of Honor website. So those are the only event shirts I've bought. Um, do you have any? Growing up, I have, I have only purchased two independent wrestling T-shirt company shirts. One was EWA. I bought that back in 1999. And then Limitless Wrestling, I've bought now two of their shirts since they started. Do you have any indie wrestling shirts?
1: Uh, The only one I've ever bought and the only one I still got is an AML shirt I bought last year um, when they did their Impact confrontation. And I need a smaller size, but online they only sell it in – black or white i can't remember and the one that i have is gray and i love it because it's a little bit you know like all all the wrestling shirts are black and it's just like <laughs> i like something a little bit different here and there yep, especially I, grays i'm like i'm a gray wearer okay um, so i'm hoping the next aml event i got i they'll still be selling them i can pick up one from them you know in a smaller size and still be gray but yeah that's actually the only wrestling shirt i got right now because i dropped like 80 pounds over the last year so I yeah, kind of I saw that. that's awesome I, dude. I stopped fitting into all my shirts <laughs> so I slowly kind of got rid of them but yeah I, I would I've been wanting to get a CWF shirt but I've also been wanting to go to one of their shows for God, for years now and I haven't made it yeah. yet so I figure once I go to one of those I'll probably pick one of their shirts up too nice
0: yeah right now I have I just bought that horseman shirt I have my new Japan shirt I got the g1 shirt I was telling you about I got a couple of limitless shirts I got uh, Kenny Omega shirt Dalton castle shirt. I still have quite a few actually. Apparently I was about to say, I don't have that many. No, I do. I do. Yeah. Yes, I still have quite a few. And then like in my draw and my bureau draw, I have a stack of shirts that don't fit me that I refuse to get rid of. That will fit me again one day. And one of them is actually the, I don't, in my opinion, between WCW, WWE and TNA TNA put out the best Ric Flair shirt that I've, I've ever seen, and it's it's a white shirt, and it's him standing there, like, with his head back and his arms up open, like, wide, and he's got the robe on, and it just looks awesome. And I, I bought that one, and then I have, like, a TNA logo shirt. Um, I, ha- I wish I still had my only official ECW shirt I ever owned was an RVD 420 T-shirt. And I really wish I still had that. And I really wish I would have bought an ECW logo shirt back in the day when they had those. Um, uh, and I have – I bought a shirt from Fit Finley. And the biggest size he had was 2X. And that hasn't, I haven't fit 2X in a long time. And I bought it anyways because it was Fit Finley and I really wanted it. And um, I still have that. And I, I i i plan on wearing it one day. <laughs> So I still have kind of a stack of shirts there. Uh, Do you ever have any like um, I never had any other apparel like I only ever had T-shirts. I didn't have shorts other than the pajamas when I was a kid, but I never had shorts or pants or comfy pants or or sweatshirt or anything else like that. Wrestling related until I bought my progress wrestling scarf. Yeah, I think be, earlier this year
1: I had a stone cold uh, hat. That I wore a lot. Okay, um, yep. I had a ball, a baseball cap, and that I think that's the only thing outside of you know t-shirts that I've ever bought. Um, there's definitely some shirts I've always wanted. Like I've always wanted a Funk You shirt.
0: Oh so, yes, who didn't want one of those? Yeah,
1: it's it's, it's definitely been on my my t-shirt bucket list. Um, I too always wanted. I wanted the F and W shirt, just yep. a very basic shirt. I just okay. I have a you know I don't know, and it, it may sound prudish, but. I worry about buying t-shirts that are too risque because I mean, especially going to wrestling, you got kids around, and I know lots of kids are are there, you know. But it's just like I don't, I don't want to be that guy, you know, who's wearing the (laughs) F and shirt. So I, no, I I agree with you. Yeah, I tend not to buy stuff like that, you know. But I would love to have one, you know, if I could wear it in a good environment with adults, I would, I would definitely rock it like crazy. Um, I always wanted that yellow New Japan shirt that you got. That's been on my my bucket list for you sure.
0: Order pro wrestling Tees. They're just having a big thirty five percent off sale.
1: Yeah, I need to, I need to I, I need to order a bunch of stuff on pro wrestling Tees, To be honest with you, you <laughs> so. know, they,
0: just, they just released a Von Erich t shirt. That's a generic. It's a text outline of Texas, and it just says like you know the Von Erichs, and it's the claw. It's really cool looking. And then Tully Blanchard has one on there that I really like a lot. And the great Muda has one on there that I really like a lot. I just don't like the shipping. That's my problem. Kind of how expensive they are. I mean, you're looking at bucks a shirt sometimes. Well, with my size upgrade, I have to buy and, and everything sometimes. Um, I always wanted a Pro Wrestling Illustrated t-shirt. You know that red shirt with the PWI logo across oh, the chest. Oh hell
1: yes, with the slightly shorter sleeves.
0: Yes, I always wanted one of those, and I found a company that kind of re-released them a few years ago, but it didn't it didn't. It wasn't the complete logo. Like at the underneath Pro Wrestling Illustrated, it would it said uh, I can't think of what it said now. Um, it had, it had a saying about wrestling or whatever. I fuck, I wish I could remember, but it wasn't on this shirt that this company was putting out this, you know, online place. So it's like, well, it's not an official one. It doesn't even have the, it's got a partial recreation of the logo. So I just, yeah, but I've always wanted one of those and I had always wanted, I, and I eventually got one, but for a long time, I wanted one of those the wanted cactus Jack shirts.
1: Oh yes. Yeah.
0: I had one of those for a while. I don't have that anymore. Um, but yeah, that PWI shirt. That that's one I if I could find one of those today, I would buy that. To me those are those are cool as shit.
1: Yeah, I, I would definitely take one of those too any day.
0: Um one of the things that I've always collected and I used to collect them to get sets, and now I just collect them to get signed. Is the is the wrestling trading cards? Were you we ever into those?
1: I was. um I was a big baseball and basketball card collector in the yeah. early '90s when they were on fire. And so, yeah. you know, when you kind of got hooked on that, you would just buy anything. So it was like, you know, I'd run across a pack of WCW cards, and so I'd pick them up or whatever. And so over the years, I had slowly collected quite a quite a decent uh, selection of wrestling cards, and then. Um, you know, I stopped that you know through the mid 90s, and then you know 97, 98. I again, it was WCW that really dragged me back into the cards. They had you know some fantastic sets that were released in that time frame, and yep. I just kept buying those. Um, I, I never actually owned that many WWF cards. It was mostly WCW or NWA style stuff.
0: Well, the only NWA set that ever came out was that 1998 One Narama set that Jim Crocker promotions put out, and. I, to this day, those are my favorite cards to get signed because I loved that set. I never managed to get a complete set, which I tried like hell to get a complete set of. And I probably could nowadays on with the Internet. I just haven't tried in a while. But, um, yeah, I, I love getting those cards signed because for the longest time, up until the last, say, five years, maybe even six years, like – that set was a set that had some lesser known rustlers in it. Like you know, they had jobbers in that set. If you were like Tommy Angel or Chris Champion or whoever, you know, like uh, uh, Rocky, Rocky, uh, Rocky King and and others. Like that set had some some of the jobbers in it. it had some of the lady rustlers like Misty Blue, Linda Dallas, Kate Larue, Black Venus. You know, like it, it had odd job rustlers because it was a 365 card set for crying out loud. Uh, whereas like the WWF sets and the WCW sets, it was all pretty much headlining guys. You know, it didn't have the rare ones in my opinion in it. Uh now WWE they put out sets with everyone on the roster in NXT and NXT and on and on and on. And some guys are only aren't even there long enough. Like by the time their card comes out, they're not even in the company anymore. You know. Um and trading cards now have become so much easier to make. All kinds of independent companies have trading cards now, like you know, Brian makes the PWG cards or AEW has their cards. And now High Spots puts out cards every month in their High Spots crates and on and on and on. So it's so much easier today to get trading cards than it it was. But those NWA Wonderama cards and then the ECW trading cards that came with the figures. I think it was the fourth series of the figures called Bash of the Brawlers came with trading cards and then i think the fifth series that was like clash of champions or something of that nature came with ecw stickers that were were trading card size but had like an oval top on them or an egg-shaped top but yeah those ecw trading cards that came with those that line of figures man i've managed to get those signed by sandman rvd jerry lynn lance storm tommy dreamer um, so I'm really – like I love getting those signed, that and the NWA cards. Those are my favorites. And and right now I've just – I've crested 700 signed cards at this point in my collection.
1: It's just so impressive.
0: So impressive. <laughs> my,
1: my, my two favorite, which, which came out the same year, were the, the 91 WCW cards. that They had the black cards with the gold star borders.
0: Oh, the, um, the uh, championship uh, uh, – uh, I think it's championship marketing yeah. set. Yeah,
1: that one. And then they also that same year they had the yellow cards that were had the belts. yellow border. Yep. Yes, that was very nineties looking. Those were those were probably the two I collected the most of, and I, I still absolutely love those designs to this day. Like just seeing those cards takes me back, and I just I love them.
0: Um, well, I my favorite time frame in wrestling uh, the, uh, for the longest time, and I still I still really enjoy going back and watching it now because to me it still holds up is uh, NWA Jim Crockett Promotions, Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling. That that time frame, like that mid eighties, the, the 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 big run of the Horsemen and everything, and then the early WCW time frame. Like, and I don't know why I'm drawn to that so much, but I am. And so, like those NWA cards, like that's why I love those so much. That's why I have my my uh, my wrestling tattoo. I have my NWA logo tattoo that I've showed you. That doesn't mm-hmm. look like you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, unless you knew what it was, you wouldn't know what it was. It just like likes like some sort of design. I mean, um but that that championship marketing set that you were talking about, that's that set that came out, like to me, that still reminds me like like the pictures with Luger has the old US championship in it. And, you know, it's got the version of the four horsemen with Sid in it. I know with, with yeah, with yeah, with Sid and Barry and and Arne and and and, and Rick and everything. And it's got like that that Set to me, even though it came out the same year, feels like an older set than that Impel set. It's kind of weird. It's like this is the first half of the year. This is the second half of the year or something. I don't know. Or maybe they took those photos in 1990 and then didn't release it until 91. But like to me, even though they came out in the same year, you're looking at two different almost time frames of wrestling.
1: Oh, agreed. I you know, not knowing what I was buying at the time, obviously I was yeah. buying cards, not knowing when stuff was released. I thought they were. I thought that the the black set was released yeah. in like '89, and yeah. the yellow set was released '91, '92. And it wasn't until a few years ago that I I looked it up, and I'm like, no fucking way, they were released the same year. Yeah, because really they are. Weird. They seem like two different companies almost.
0: Yeah, it's definitely two different you know like timeframes in the history of of World Championship Wrestling there. But like that black set is like I also love. Getting those signed, like I just got Luger to sign um, one with him with the U.S. title in it and everything. Um, so yeah, it's I'm right there with you on that. Uh, as far as those cards as well. Um, obviously now I I, I don't collect eight by ten photos like I used to. Like at first I when I I first started getting them when I started going to indie shows and everything. Um, my first ever autographed eight by ten was Ric Flair when we went to the Nitro ticket sales in Boston that day. Uh, that same day afterwards at the Natick Mall, uh, Ric Flair was doing a signing at the Filenes. Yeah, I know, random. But he brought the Giant with him as well. And so it was Ric Flair and the Giant, and I had brought a Ric Flair trading card. And so that's the first ever wrestling trading card I ever had signed was a Ric Flair card, and on the front, he's putting the figure four leg lock on Hulk Hogan. And... That day, I also I got eight by tens from Ric Flair and the Giant. Nice, I still have both of those, by the way. Um, but that was March of ninety seven, and uh, I did collect eight by tens for a long time after that. But then I really just got out of that, and I just I just do the trading cards now for like the last decade or so. What about yourself?
1: Um, you know, well, I inspired by you uh, what, a couple years ago. I really started pushing for some trading cards because I love the idea of collecting autographs. In a manner that you know fits an adult lifestyle. You know, yes. You can you can take a book or box of trading cards and easily store them, and yep. you can you can still have a, a wife, a kids, a household, and it, it doesn't overtake everything. Yes. Whereas, say you collect action figures. You know, you got to have shelves. You got to dust this stuff. You know, you don't have room for that. And, and 8x10s are manageable too, but the trading cards are amazing because you can put them in, you know, sleeves of nine yes. and just have books. And oh. it looks great. It's easy You're to pre- access, it's to fantastic. Choir. Oh, yeah. And so I loved it. Um, I, and so I I tr- I haven't done anything recently, and I need yep. to get back into it because I was really enjoying it. Um, because I collected autographs when I was a kid as well. Um, I do get an eight by ten, but I I don't buy them. It's just if they come with something. Um, for oh, example, yeah. at the Crockett Cup, um, it was forty bucks to meet Nick Aldis, which I was pretty pissed off about because that was absurd. Yeah. It did come with an autograph eight by ten, so I mean obviously I'm not going to turn it down. So I took it and I stuck it in my book, and it's it's whatever. Um, um
0: I've actually turned some down recently. Really. Yes. Like I'll go to a thing and it's like, for instance, like when I met, um like say Will Ospreay or whatever, you know, it was the it was thirty dollars for a combo to meet him, get an autograph and a picture with him. And they supply an eight by ten. And I was like, oh, can I just get my card signed instead? And he's like, oh, yeah, no problem. You, you sure you don't want the picture? Yeah, I'm good. I, I just don't I don't do anything with it. I got it the card. Sense. That's what I want. Yeah so like I've done that a lot recent last couple of years actually. We're like, oh don't forget your eight by ten. No, I'm all set. Thanks. Or like, you know, uh, like I've had some wrestlers be like, Hey, can I get you to sign my card? And they're like, Yeah, if you buy an eight by ten, I'm like, Well, I'll just pay you to sign the card. I don't want your eight by ten. Because I'm not going to do anything with it. Unless, like, my son's there, and he's like, I'll take it. And I'm like, oh, good, this can be on your floor next week, and then I'll throw it away eventually. Exactly. Or, or like, maybe my buddy Mike, he's like, I'll take you by 10. I'm like, all right, that's fine. Yeah, I'll take you by 10. <laughs> I was like, I'm not being a dick. I just, realistically, I know I don't want it. I mean, on a non wrestling relating side of things, I went through a phase where I was mailing out autograph requests to celebrities. You know, like, I would mail a large, like, envelope. And this is what got into trading cards, actually. I would mail out, like, a large envelope and a self-addressed stamped envelope inside. And back then, it was, like, you could buy a package of, like, the 8x10 envelopes or 85 by 11 for, like, 5 bucks. You got, like, 10 of them. And then it was, like, 57 cents to mail it. So, you'd have to put 57 cents in the inside, 57 cents on the outside. It's now over a dollar to mail these, by the way, but this was back 20 years ago. So, I would mail out, I'd got addresses off the internet, and I would mail out autograph requests to different celebrities. And, you know, you had to send that stuff with your stamped envelope to get a response most of the time, right? Right. So, I acquired several of those, and I still have a few. My three, I guess, my five favorites. Are I got uh, uh, David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson back before they started doing preprints when they were actually were signing the stuff themselves. When on X Files, uh, little like they're like eight by six photo size maybe or eight five by six. They're, they're a little bigger than five by seven. But anyways, but back before they started doing auto print through fan services before the show got huge, yeah, uh, I got actual autographs from them that are signed. And that was the other reason why I stopped doing it is because so many celebrities would send out preprints.
1: Right. And you just but wasted it, your money to get. Yeah. Know, fake to get out get like
0: preprint. That. So I got those. I got one from Jackie Chan, which took over a year. I got one from Maggie Chung, who is also a, a Hong Kong actress I was fond of. And then my favorite one I think I have now is still is, is Ray Bradbury. Oh, we, nice. Who sent me an autographed photo of him, like, kind of sitting in a chair, looking back over his shoulder or whatever. And he wrote, like, Onward on it. It's so cool looking. Um, but I started mailing trading cards because in a, like, a business envelope, you can put your handwritten letter in there. You can put a self-addressed stamped envelope folded up on one side. And on the other side, you can put your trading card in, like, a penny top loader. And it costs one stamp so it's still like 57 cents now whatever it is but it ships so much easier and i've also found out that if you just send an empty envelope asking for an autograph what you're expecting them to supply you with a picture they're less likely to do it than if you send something to them and ask them to sign it you know like i remember years ago i had sent something to carrie fisher you know princess leia and what i got back was a preprint on an eight by ten well, years later, I sent her a trading card. I got that backhand inscribed, so I have a Princess Leia trading card that she signed for me and everything. So that's why I really start switching the trading cards because it just it was easier like uh, that. And when I went to meet Terry Funk and he didn't have any eight by tens, you know, I went to an independent show in Danbury, Connecticut, in 2002 to see Terry Funk. It was like a seven hour drive for me because of the storm I had to drive through, and I get there. And he has the Funk U shirts, but he's all he all he has left is medium and large, and he has uh, he's all at eight by tens, and no one there was selling anything that had Terry Funk on it. So I had to, I got a picture with him, like I hope this picture comes out. But after that, I started like if I'm going to a show with a wrestler, I need to bring something, and trading cards are easy because you could put them in a case in your pocket, so they transported easy, and then that's the other reason why I migrated having them. Do uh, mailaways to trading cards, and then when it came to storing and displaying, it was so much nicer. So like, it was a it was a progress thing, but like you know, that's why I love the trading cards so much.
1: Oh, I mean, you bring up a great point too. Um, with with being able to put it in your pocket, that was actually with at the Crockett Cup when he gave me the eight by ten. You know, I carried it around in my seat and everything else, and I wasn't prepared for that. And I have yep. like big plastic holders I take to like Comic Cons to put pictures yep. in. And if I, if I knew I was getting it, I would have brought one of those. That way I could throw it on the floor and I'm not worried about it. But I don't have anything because I didn't think I was getting it. And yep. so eventually I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to go talk to the security people and I'm going to take this out of my car because I don't want to have to hold up with this for three and a half yeah. hours. You exactly. Know, is, yeah.
2: It's yeah. just That's it's not
1: worth it. it. So, um, I, I've always meant to ask you this because you know, even in my short term, um, which I mean, I maybe got 20, twenty five cards tops, um, you ever get any cool notes or anything like mailed back because like I, I mean just in my short time, I had Terry Funk write me a little note, um, I had Harley Race write me a note, and then Bill after, you know that you have you know, yes. put on the the blog.
0: Well, Um, that's because Bill Aptor's kind of the man. And, yeah, uh, as far as I grew up reading his his magazines, and now he he read my blog. So, yeah. Um, You know, it's funny. I've gotten, like, I I remember, like, uh, Terry, no, like, Terry Funk just signed his cards, you know, like, to my friend Mike, you know, to Mike from your friend Terry Funk or whatever. Um, I got a letter back. uh, Barry Horowitz wrote me a little note. Like, thanks for being a fan. Uh, Colin Delaney wrote me a letter back um, and said, hey, next time, you you know, if you're ever in Rochester, you know, stop in at the shop, bowl of cereal on me. Um, Mike Sample was a uh, – I had a Big Japan card of his. He's a Japanese guy, and he, um, he has a record service now, and I wrote him – I emailed him. And he was like, yeah, no problem. So he gave me his address. I mailed him the card and the letter. And I asked him a bunch of questions about some big Japan matches he was in. And he wrote me back a really nice letter um, talking about everything, um, which was really cool, actually, giving me all the answers and everything. The one letter I got back that surprised me the most, and I couldn't believe it. And it's still, I'm just like, really, of all people, Haku. Really? Yeah, I sent him. He was working at a car dealership down in Florida, probably, and I sent him a couple cards there with a letter. And he wrote me back, and answered my question, and thanked me for being a fan. And it was really, really nice. And he didn't sign it, King Haku. He signed it his shoot name. Hmm. Yeah, I was like, like I was surprised because Haku. Like you look at yeah, exactly. He doesn't speak. (laughs) <laughs> you look at Haku and it's just like he wants to murder everybody, you know, like he just has a reputation of being like a badass guy. But then like I was recently, I can't remember where it was, I saw but like I saw someone posted a bunch of photos of like a meet and greet. It was like Haku and his sons and it's and it's like Tamatanga and Tonga Lo are kind of like, you know, being tough guys in the photos, you know, kind of not smiling, straight face blah blah blah, you know, st- and then ha- there's Haku, you know, Big ass smile on his face, both his hands like on the shoulders of the guy they're taking the picture with, like <laughs> big, warm and friendly. <laughs> so it's like, OK, I get it. Um, you know, I remember I asked I'm email. I, I sent Bob back on a couple of cards and I asked him when his book was coming out and he signed the cards. And on the back of one of the cards, he wrote book February 5th. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so it's I, you know, it's it's surprising. Um, like a lot of times, I just get the card back in the mail and it's just the card and it's signed. You know, no 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 letter. Tommy Young wrote me a, le- a little a little note uh, actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, um, yeah. Uh, Dixie Carter wrote me a note. You know, because uh, I commented about like you have to rub your finger on the trading card before you sign it because the coding on him. And she actually wrote me a little note back about it saying like, yeah, I know you do. And, and then like, there was a big smear of ink on the note. And she wrote, that's, (laughs) she goes, that's from when the autograph didn't stick the first time. (laughs) You know? Um, so yeah, I've got, I've gotten a few things back. I mean, the one that stands out the most is Haku, just because it just seems so, so kind of like out there. Um, what was it uh when i I mailed the card to jimmy valiant and he sent me back like a big thing full of information about his wrestling school and and some other stuff like that you know like uh if you want to buy merch or this that or whatever but he signed my card so that was good yeah uh i actually just mailed out a bunch of cards to some wrestlers uh after uh mean Gene, like I've been trying to get a, one to mean Jean for a long time. and Then he passed away. And then I sent some to the destroyer finally. And then he died a couple months later. And, and then, so I've, I'm right now in my brain, I'm like, I got to focus on the rustlers that are like in their seventies and eighties aren't going to be here much longer to see if I can add those to my collection. Because I'm not running out of rustlers to get autographs from. That's definitely not the case. There's so many out there. Um, Excuse me. It's just uh, it's getting harder to it's, the ones that I've been able to find and easily get. I've done. It's getting harder now. That's all without meeting them in person to do the mail aways.
1: Right. I understand that.
0: Yeah. So I wanted, to and I know we've been talking much longer than I thought we would at this point uh, on this episode. But I want to bring up a couple more things. Actually, still, um, we were talking about officially licensed ECW stuff earlier. And from another generation, another thing that was kind of hard to get is the officially licensed AWA stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember they did a few home videos. I had a couple of them, and they're mostly short compilation ones. They had the Remco figures, obviously, but they had an AWA VHS game. Do you remember this at all?
1: I've read about it. I never saw it or anything like that.
0: So my buddy Jay got his hands on it and he still has it. And we've played it a few times, but it's literally like you put the VHS in, you hit play, you have to hit pause. Like you hit, you play the game. You have to predict what moves going to happen next. So you hit play to watch the video. I mean, it's pretty cool. Actually. Um, I had that board. Did you have any other, uh, Oh, and also I found it at a yard sale. I don't know where it came from. it's a plastic a w a badge and like uh like an old like wild west sheriff's badge, except it's the a w a logo and it's got a little plastic clip on the back to like clip it on your shirt or something.
1: huh I never heard of that
0: yeah i'll will try i have it upstairs so I'll have to dig it out and I'll send you a picture of it. but do you remember playing any of the other old school like uh like w w f had a superstars board game or Any of those like that?
1: No, I never owned any of the board games or anything. The video games I did, but no, none of the board games or anything.
0: What was your first video game?
1: (sighs) God, I don't, that, that's tough. Um, I'm pretty sure I played some on NES, uh, probably renting them, yep. but it really wasn't until I had my Sega Genesis that like Royal Rumble and stuff like that, Raw came out, that I really started playing a lot. That 16-bit era was, was my jam. You know, I really liked yep. that. And then, of course, when the Nintendo 64 hit, you know, everybody was playing. <laughs>
0: I had the old WrestleMania game on uh, the Nintendo Entertainment System. And I didn't have really any other wrestling games until I got my PlayStation. Like I had a Super Nintendo, but I don't remember buying any wrestling games for that. But I had my PlayStation and I got like WCW versus the world and the ECW games and WCW games and WWE games or whatever. And right now, the only I have a Wii, I don't have any other video game systems. I'm just not into games like I used to be, but I have a Wii. And we actually, my, my son and I, we played, We bought, I bought the TNA game at, like, uh, GameStop for two bucks. hmm And we play that a lot. And it's really fun, actually, the TNA video game.
1: Yeah, I actually enjoyed it. Um, I had it on, like, PlayStation 3 when it came out. The, the only thing was the, the career mode got really difficult. Like, it was almost impossible. But I loved oh, the right. idea of, you know, it had a really good storyline. I mean, you played Suicide and all this stuff. And I, I enjoyed the yeah. TNA game. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting as well. Uh, I haven't really played any since then. i used to play like the old wrestling challenge, your know, arcade game at the arcade. Or uh, my favorite though, and I mastered this one day. I sat there with ten bucks and quarters because it was on the Neo Geo. So you only got like three minutes a quarter, or whatever it was, five minutes a quarter. But just pro wrestling. Oh yeah, yeah. I managed to master that one. um Let me think of the other. Oh, did you ever, when you were a kid, go to the fair? And, like, you could win, like, a wrestling mirror or poster.
1: I remember the mirrors. I, I you know, I'll be honest. I selected a Ghostbuster one over the wrestlers. Oh, come on. <laughs> I, I did do that. Um, but, yeah, you, would, like, throw darts, and they have, like, little square mirrors that were, like, cardboard, like, yeah. frames. Or or they would be pictures of, like, just a cheap piece of glass or plastic or something. And you'd have Hogan and Warrior and well, stuff like that.
0: My first one, it was actually it printed on the glass, All and right. it was Hulk Hogan had Roddy Piper or Paul Orndorff down on the mat in the foreground in the front, and then behind him you see like Mr. T going at Piper or it was from it was a WrestleMania one thing. So I remember I had that one, and I don't have it anymore. I don't remember what happened to it, <laughs> but it's just I don't. Um, but the one I still have, I remember my. Dad won it for me at the Topsom Fair. You had to break what it was. You throw the balloons, the darts at the balloons, and behind certain balloons, there's like a there was like a, a piece of paper with a star on it. And if you got it in the star, you could pick from like the big prizes. And he got me, and, and I picked out a Hulk Hogan mirror, and it's like the size of a record. So, like, 12 by 12 or whatever it is, maybe bigger. And it's got Hulk Hogan's, like, face on it. And then it says Hulk Hogan on it, where the H shares Hulk going across and then Hogan going down. And I've never seen it any place else. I still have it, but I don't display it or anything. It's literally just sitting on a shelf. And I've considered selling it, but, like... I'd want it to go to someone who would really, 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 really appreciate it because they love Hulk Hogan and they don't have this piece in their collection type of thing. And I want to get a lot of money for it.
1: <laughs> well, um, I, I was Googling it while you were talking because I was trying to figure it out. I don't think it's worth that much. <laughs> but I do see it. It is very cool. And I saw the, the other one as well. If anybody's anybody's listening wants to see these things and don't know them, if you type in Carnival Mirror and Hulk Hogan – you can see them and they have them on ebay and other things too
0: okay i've never searched that before but i've I've tried to find okay all right
1: WrestleCrap crap actually has a article about them
0: <laughs> oh that's nice okay so the hulk hogan one the one with his face and it says the hulk and the hogan and it shares the h mm-hmm. yeah mine is not that size mine is um literally like the size of a record so it's like double the size of that one
1: okay so these are six by sixes and you have like a 12 by 12
0: yes exactly but the hulkamania one that one that is the one i had and it's 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 like it is etched on the glass it's not um it's not like the piece of paper behind the glass that's so cool i've never seen i've never seen that one i know that's very clear uh the one with, like, it says Hulk Hogan. It's got his kind of face and he's got the flex pose, but, like, his hairstyle's different in both of them. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. I've never looked up Hulk Hogan Carnival Mirror. Russell Crap has an article on it, you said? Yeah,
1: apparently so. Um, I think oh, I links. Is. Yeah.
0: Someone bought this Hulk Hogan Carnival glass mirror. That's funny. <clears throat> Anyhow. <laughs> um. I guess the only thing wrestling really we haven't talked about is, is, is music. We kind of touched on it earlier and I touched on it earlier, but like, did you have all the, uh, the CDs and the VH and the cassettes or anything like that? Um,
1: yeah, I, I volume three, that would the music. Volume three was my big one. Um, yeah. I went back and found volume two. Um, volume four was huge for me as well. And, I mean, I, I, there was probably two or three more after that I got, and then I stopped. And yep. it was And I would, I would buy the like specialty albums. Like I tried, out, I checked out their rap album. I love oh. the Stone Cold Metal CD.
0: Oh, that was that. See, and that that wasn't a WWE home uh, release. That was independent, and that CD is awesome. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I remember I loved it when he Stone Cold got asked about it on his podcast because. Um, for those that don't know, it was a album of like heavy metal songs, like '80s metal type songs that Stone Cold picked out, and apparently he really did pick them out. And, I remember uh,
0: reading the liner notes. For kids that don't know what liner notes are, <laughs> it's the piece of paper that came with the uh, the cassette or the DVD or CD or, or, or record, and it had the notes in it about what about the the thing. And if you read the liner notes of each song, he tells a little story about each song why he chose it.
1: Yeah, so, it, it was a it was a good album overall. It introduced me to some new music. It had some like it was kind of rare stuff. Like I remember there was a Def Leppard song on it. You're like, wow, this is actually Def Leppard. Like it was it was weird. You could tell it was something that was curated by somebody. You know, that was oh, just like yeah, that, my favorite weird things.
0: That CD introduced me to Ted Nugent. Um, like uh, oh, uh, it had uh, the uh, Perfect Strangers Shane Douglas theme song that he used in ECW. That was on there. Yeah. You know, like just a bunch of stuff like that. I mean, that was a great release. I had uh, I had the, the wrestling album on cassette. I had uh, Pile Driver the wrestling album, volume two on cassette. And then eventually I had the wrestling album on on CD. And actually, a couple of years ago, I found a mint condition original pressing release of the wrestling album on vinyl that I bought nice so i have that on vinyl actually but like i had all the cds over the years like i had all the wwf ones i had the wrestlemania one that was the the drizzling shits that apparently i just found out recently charted at to number four in the uk when it came out you know oh the God. one that's like whoa whoa wrestlemania You know, oh, that, yeah. that whole cd oh, that cd yeah that that charted on the charts over in the UK apparently. I just found was reading recently on you know someone had posted about it on Twitter or whatever. Um but I also had like WCW Slam Jam. Right. on CD that had like, you know, the Natural Dustin Rhodes theme and the, that that Freebird song. Do you ever hear the Freebird song? I did. Freebirds forever like that was on there Don't Step On Wrong, uh sorry on Ron, Steiner Eyes, Mr. Bang Bang like I I enjoyed the hell out of that CD. And then I had um Hulk Hogan's boot band. <laughs> that was terrible. I had the Macho Man CD. Again, I bought everything wrestling. I had the Macho Man, you know, uh CD which apparently goes for quite a bit nowadays. Uh, I don't have it anymore. Um but yeah, I used to buy all those CDs all the time and I just I just don't buy them anymore.
1: Yeah, me me neither. I think the I did buy a copy of WCW Mayhem not too long ago because I just ran across it like a Goodwill.
0: God, I had that as well, yeah.
1: And I was like, you know what? It's $0.25. Cent. I'm going to pick this up and listen to it. I don't know what I did with it. To be honest, I wasn't I to to it yet. Yeah, it it's somewhere. <laughs> and awesome. I, I did buy the ECW album probably yes. like in 2005. It was I like bought- years after ECW, and I ran across it in a used store for like $2. And I'm like, yeah, i gonna buy this.
0: I bought both of those albums actually when they came out and um, well, actually what was, I found to be disappointing about them was that like uh, their, their version of enter Sandman on there is by motorhead. Yeah. covers. They're They're
1: all covers. Yep. (laughs) And not necessarily good covers.
0: (laughs) No. Um, The only one that wasn't uh, the cover was, you know, the ECW theme and then Sabu's theme because you know, harry slash wrote that um so that was cool to have because sabu theme is still awesome to this day i think uh there's only one other thing i want to touch on uh, i know we've been talking each other's ears off now for a, quite a while but uh going back to um uh, home videos vhs dvds blu-rays etc cetera, etc cetera, uh one of the ones that i got my hands on that is like i i had i had got this on um vhs that's the only way i could get it initially but i have since now gotten it on dvd was the gaia girls documentary
1: oh okay yeah
0: i remember hearing about it and just hearing how amazing it was in this and that and a couple years later i actually found it on a website that sold educational home videos And this, it was like, it's like the early days of print on demand type of thing. And what it was is this was like a website because the the, 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 the guy girls documentary was never released commercially. It still hasn't been. Um, But what it was on this website, it was like a woman make movies website. And it was made for teachers who would buy copies of the movie and the literature to, to, to teach in class. And this is the website it was on, and I contacted them. And because I wanted it for home private use, instead of spending like $190 on it, it was $40. So I wanted to see this bad enough that I spent the $40 on the VHS to get this. And I watched it, and it was awesome, and it still is awesome. I mean, it's kind of barbaric at times, but it really gives you a cool insight into the world of Joshi. Back in that night, late '90s time frame, which we've never seen since. Um, I later on I did upgrade that to DVD through that same company. I ended up buying the DVD; it was a bit cheaper. And then I sold the VHS uh, to buy the DVD. Actually, so I still have that. It's, I haven't watched it in a few years, but that's that's one of my favorite documentaries because it's just it's so. It's a very unique, almost kind of like, at that time, taboo inside look at the world of, of you know, that type of professional wrestling.
1: Right, which is, you know, not really talked about much, you know, so like you said, taboo. So it's, yeah. I, I would like to see it. I've actually never seen it, so.
0: It's, it's pretty awesome. What is your favorite piece that you have in your collection right now?
1: Gosh, um... I'll tell you my favorite, which is kind of weird, um, I managed to buy from the Crockett Foundation a little scrap of – the original nwa canvas an actual ring used piece of canvas and it's it's only like a three by three square and it's just I on the card
0: saw that on their website yeah
1: yeah you know My and favorite it's just
0: disclaimer was there's no guarantee there'll be blood on your
1: screen exactly mine doesn't have any blood but you yeah. know it's it's a neat little quirky thing that i don't think a lot of people have
0: nope definitely not that's really cool um what's the what, what's something you've held on to? I mean, obviously I've talked about all the shit I've held on to over the years. Cause I bit of a hoarder type pack rat thing when it comes to wrestling, but what's, what's your item?
1: Gosh. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I really have anything too much. I've, I've, uh, in the last few years, I've been through a couple divorces <laughs> <laughs> and I, a lot gets lost over time. Oh, it, um, does. it does indeed. It's like, you know, you sacrifice some of the stuff. Um, I honestly can't think of one particular thing. Um, the, 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 I guess the things I've held on to the longest that I do have, is I try to collect DVDs or Blu-rays of events I've gone to. Um,
0: I, I have a, I have a collection of those myself, my friend.
1: Yeah, and and I want to. My goal is, and I even have some pre-written drafts. I want to go back and re-watch all these events I've gone to over the years and and review them. I think it'd be fun to kind of go back with new eyes and see what you know how things were and stuff like that. Um, and so like in 2011, when I went to WrestleMania, I also went to a couple of Dragon Gate USA events. And so I bought both the DVDs right then, you know, and so I have those still. And I think that's probably some of the the stuff I've held on to the longest because I do, I buy those, I keep those. Um, and then some of the rarer stuff, um, because with wrestling and the stuff we like, this stuff does go out of print, some of these smaller things. So like, um, I have the Memphis Heat documentary, which is now becoming harder to find and it's becoming more and more expensive. And yeah. So I hang on to that because I, I, you know, I want to be able to have that.
0: Yeah, I'm the same with you there on some of those like older documentaries or DVDs I have or whatever. And I've looked at them, and again, like I've gone through even my older WWF ones and been like, okay, do I really need this slash want this? Am I ever going to watch this again? And then there just comes to certain things where I'm like, yes, absolutely, I am. And then others, I was like, you know, I, I probably am not. Um, <clears throat> like I had that Ultimate Warrior DVD. And right after he died, all of a sudden, everybody, you know, everyone's selling it for a you know, hundred bucks on eBay. And I had it, and I, I watched it again. I'm like, I don't care about watching this ever again. So I sold it. I got a hundred and a quarter for it. Nice. Um, I have back after my, I, I got invited to Titan Towers to tour. After my whole collection got destroyed in my basement, it. I didn't come out and contact WWE and be like, "Hey, my stuff's damaged. I want stuff." It was, it was different. It was like they posted something about a video about uh, on the new Steve Austin DVD coming up. They're gonna have a match that's never been released on home video before, uh, showing it being the um, Steve Austin against Yokozuna. And And I and I actually I wrote back. I wrote to WWE magazine and I said, actually, that was released on home video. And it aired live on the free-for-all that night before SummerSlam. And then it aired on – and then it was released on the uh, free-for-all home video, actually. In fact, the cover art is from that match. I used to have it, but my basement got flooded and my collection got destroyed, so I don't have any evidence anymore. And they wrote back, yeah, you're right. That that was released. Tell me more about this flood. And I was like, well, he's like, you got any pictures? And I sent him – of course I do. I sent him pictures. And he just wrote back – this is the most horrible thing I've ever seen. Do you want to come down to Titan Towers? We can't replace your collection, but we can give you a nice afternoon. And I was like, hell yeah. Uh, So I went down and they gave me a bunch of stuff. And one of the things they gave me was a Roddy Roddy Piper home video release that they did. Do you remember that DVD set at all? I do, yeah. Okay. Well, the DVD home video was like a three disc set. And what they gave me was a four disc version oh, that I've still never seen anywhere, which had a bonus disc that had more stuff on it. Huh. So like, that's one I'm like, it's either like maybe the home video was a two disc and I got a three, but there's an extra disc. And I just remember being like, well, this is different, you know? Um, so that was, that's one of the things I'm like, i yeah, that i really, really like a lot because I, that feels very rare. Um, but like I said, for me, like the Gaia Girls, um, things like that—that that, like I'm not, I could never replace—is is stuff I'd never get rid of. And then, like you said, I also have a collection of events I've been to, and um, my favorite of all those is the NWA Legends Fan Fest 2009 box set that spots put out after, which I pre-ordered there before I left, which is six discs because it has the Ric Flair Q and A, the Jim Cornette Q and A thing the Hall of Heroes Banquet. They they added the um, Heroes of uh, the Memphis Wrestling Roundtable that they did that morning. It was with uh, Lance Russell, Dave Brown, and Jerry Jarrett. And then uh, the guy that did the... Uh, the uh hosting it or whatever i think near the end of memphis wrestling he was like a manager a heel manager for them or something but he seemed really young to have done that but whatever and then had the saturday night and the sunday night wrestling matches on there so like that six dvd set i absolutely cherish because again like i said earlier it's one of my greatest weekends in wrestling ever and i can relive that now whenever so
1: yeah, I gotta, I gotta reorder. I had, I bought the 2007 NWA DVD, which just had the matches, um, and I have yep. s- lost it over the years. And um, that has Tully Blanchard's final match. I um, was about to
0: say, I, I own that DVD because it has Tully Blanchard's final match. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I gotta, I gotta get a hold of a copy of that again.
0: Nice. Cool. All right. Well, I guess we should wrap that up. <laughs> wrap. Wrap up this episode uh, <clears throat> again on the old social media event. You can find me on uh, on the Twitter at Superstar Mal. Don't forget the podcast, the, the blog. I mean the Wrestling Insomniac blog.
1: Yep, and I can be found at Lucha Koopa on Twitter.
0: And it sounds like Brandon's going to be posting some reviews of old wrestling shows uh, on the on the, pod- <laughs> on the blog soon. So,
1: yeah, hopefully pretty soon.
0: Yeah, awesome. All right, thanks for listening, everybody.